This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome this is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everyone, to the 156th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms to Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to tell you about Chapter 5 in my upcoming book, Dial Up the Dream. It's going to be released in less than a few months on May 3rd. Chapter 5 is titled The Consultant. Okay, so let me back up a little and see how these chapters build on each other. Chapter two endowed the dream was called the maturity gap. The point of this chapter is that you know what's going on with your daughter's brain and biology until it's fully mature at age 25. Chapter three is about letting go and really exploring what does that mean? Which means for many of you is that your daughter's not going to live under your roof anymore. It means you can't monitor your daughter as if she was in your house and that you knew her every move. And when your daughter's not in your house, it is impossible to micromanage your daughter, to monitor her. Besides that, one of the biggest things that your daughter needs to learn when she is going to college or in college is how to manage herself, manage her eating habits, her sleep, her time, her studies, her relationships. You can't manage those things from a distance. 
plus part of your daughter's maturity is based on her learning to manage herself. Now, you do have a role to play. And before we start exploring what that role is, let's back up a little bit and talk about chapter four, which is the five key facets for laying a new foundation. And the point of this chapter is helping you protect your attachment with your daughter so that she does want to communicate with you and see you. You need a healthy connection attachment as a strong foundation so that you can play a role in her life. And that role is the consultant. Part of being a consultant is discerning whose business is it? Is it my business or is it my daughter's business? A consultant needs skillful communication. And I go into the essential skills that you need to be an effective consultant. I give you practical examples on what a consultant role looks like with your daughter, and you learn all the benefits of being a consultant for both you and your daughter. Also, I want to make sure that you know about my online event for Dial Up the Dream on May 5th. So that's for my new book, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. And so if you go to dialupthedream.com, dialupthedream.com, you can learn how to sign up. And the good news is that this event is free when you pre-order Dial Up the Dream. And you can pre-order Dial Up the Dream anywhere books are sold. And it's going to be so much fun. I would love to meet you online. We're going to have amazing guests, lots of free giveaways. And normally this event would cost $200. But this event is free when you pre-order Dial Up the Dream. So again, you can go to my website at Colleen O'Grady, two L's, two E's, or dialupthedream.com to find out more about my online event, which will be on May 5th for Dial Up the Dream. So I would love you to show up and be there. And I would also love it if you pre-ordered my new book. So if you have a daughter who's going to be a senior next year, or a daughter that's in college or just graduated from college, this book will be so helpful for you. Okay, in today's show, I interview Dr. Charlotte Markey, a leading body image expert for close to three decades. While body image concerns have traditionally been considered a female-centric issue, recent research suggests that 75% of adolescent boys are dissatisfied with their bodies. Now, more than ever, boys are facing the same competing pressures to look a certain way, to wear the right clothes and shoes, to be strong and muscular, and on the mental health side, to hide their feelings and worries from others. Charlotte Markey, PhD, is one of the world's leading experts in body image research. Having studied all things body image, eating behavior, and weight management for close to three decades, a professor of psychology and founding director of the Health Sciences Center at Rutgers University, she is passionate about helping people develop a positive perception of their bodies. Her previous publications include Smart People Don't Diet, How the Latest Science Can Help You Lose Weight Permanently, which Scientific American praised as possibly the best book about weight loss ever written. And Body Positive, Understanding and Improving Body Image in Science and Practice, 
co-edited with Drs. Elizabeth Daniels and Megan Gillen. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're here. The first question I ask all my guests are if you have children and what are the ages? I do. I am very fortunate to have both a son and a daughter. And my son is 16 and my daughter is 14. So we are living it for real now. There you go. So you're definitely a mom of teens. Yep. <laughs> In the yes. middle of a pandemic. <laughs> so you're okay. Your son is, is, I'm sorry, is he the 16 year old? He is the 16 year old. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I'm excited about this podcast that we're going to be focusing on boys. And so tell me why you wrote Being You, the body image book for boys, and then a little bit how you structured it. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I wrote the body image book for girls. And as soon as I signed that contract, the wonderful editor, Sarah Marsh, who I've been working with, uh, we started talking about a boy's book. So she has sons. I have a son. Our personal experiences, as well as everything we knew from research about boys and body image and eating behaviors and eating disorders, um, suggested that we needed a resource for boys also. But because I was going to be covering uh, puberty and some issues that are somewhat gender specific, um, we had talked about making these two different books from the get-go. So the girls one was first. And, you know, some of what I wrote in the boys book was very similar. Some of these issues are very similar. It doesn't matter your gender or even your age, it seems. Yeah. Um, but, but there are some really unique elements as well as it pertains to boys. And I structured both books really similarly that I start with the empirical research. I look at research studies. I've been doing research on body image and eating behaviors for 25 years. So that's my wheelhouse anyways. And so I'm looking to, to summarize some of those main findings in a really accessible way. And then I'm trying to bring in kind of fun stuff to surround the facts to make it all a little bit more palatable yes. uh, to a teenage audience. So I did a lot of interviews with young people, teens and people in their early 20s to include personal anecdotes throughout the books. Some what questions do you have? So there's Q&A sections throughout the book. I also used some of what they told me to create the myth and misinformation element, which is like, these are things people seem to think, but are not true. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those are just some of the elements, but uh, the idea was really to get evidence-based information to young people in a really easy to read fashion. Well, I definitely think that you did that. I love how it's laid out. It's super colorful. I think it's going to hold their attention. You have lots of illustrations and bold colors. So I think it's really well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's so much fun to have a design team take your words and make it look better. Yes, absolutely. So I'm thinking that the ideal reader is a boy going through puberty. Is that what, what the book was for? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on, you know, your kid, right? So we definitely have a whole chapter on puberty. We talk about issues really relevant to puberty. Um, for some people, they might feel like they want to wait till their kids, you know, in high school, uh, late middle school ages, um, you know, so maybe have already started puberty. I think it, it depends on what you think your kid's ready for. I don't think most of the book is particularly controversial. Like I said, it's all based in facts, but some people just feel differently in terms of, I think, exposing their kids to information about physical development and um, mental health issues and well-being. And we touch really briefly on even relationships and some issues pertaining to sex. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And I've been a therapist for 28 years. And so I've worked with a lot of girls with eating disorders. So approximately a quarter of people with eating disorders are boys or men. Mm -hmm. And some estimates are closer to a third. Yeah. So my question for you is, so what does an eating disorder look like in a boy? Yeah, that's really interesting because I think we have sort of a stereotype of what an eating disorder looks like in a girl. And that stereotype is based somewhat in reality, not maybe entirely. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to boys, a lot of times an eating disorder begins when they say they're trying to be healthier and they're really adjusting their food intake. And it may seem actually like a positive change initially, right? They're eating less sugary foods or less fast food. And then it may become more restrictive across time. So there's often an element still of food restriction, but it's maybe not complete restriction, restriction in terms of certain foods maybe. And then we also see often a really intense focus on physical activity. So mm -hmm. we see boys who um, maybe were not particularly athletic or even some who were all of a sudden spending a lot of time in the gym, really kind of like their day starts to revolve around gym time and what they're eating or not eating. And so a lot of those cognitions that we expect from girls where they're, they don't want to be in social situations that involve food or they're really concerned about their wearing or their appearance, um, all of that we see in just sort of a different version, I think, for boys. Okay. Like some of the moms might be listening, thinking, but isn't that good that he's not eating junk food and that he's working out? So where's the line? I mean, I think it's tricky sometimes because you know, certainly we don't want our kids to eat a lot of junk food and we want them to be physically active. Physical activity is wonderful for them, both mentally and physically. But I think, again, it's when the cognitions start to really revolve around these things in an obsessive way. And what's unique about boys too, is it's not always, not that it is for girls, of course, but it's, it's less likely to be about weight loss or even concern about weight in the same way as it is often for girls. One of the boys I interviewed talked about really never worrying about his weight. And then a girl broke his heart and he just felt like he needed to do something to feel better about himself. And he started exercising more and it just became really compulsive and he started to lose a lot of weight. And so his pulse really slowed down. Physiologically, he was not stable. He ended up hospitalized. And he didn't go into this at all thinking, I need to lose weight. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when it becomes a little bit more obsessive or compulsive, that becomes more like an eating disorder. And can you give us an example of some of the cognitions that are problematic? Yeah. I think whenever it, the focus is like, I can't eat that, right? There's a lot of often like, I just can't eat that. It's it's processed or I can't eat that. It's fast food or I can't eat that. It has sugar in it. Uh, added sugars. So that can be problematic if there's a lot of record keeping. Sometimes there's a lot of keeping track of every single thing that is eaten or every single workout, right? So, and the, the cognitions are like, I have to do this. I need to do this. I can't go to that restaurant because they don't have certain foods that feel safe or comfortable for me. I'm going to avoid certain activities or people because I can't follow my routine. Right. So a lot of rigidity. Okay. That's great. How early do boys struggle with body image and how does it start and how does culture impact boys in terms of the idea of masculinity? Big questions. Yeah. There's a few (laughs) questions I think packed in there. Um, So there was a study that came out just a few years ago that studied six-year-old boys And it found that 50% of these six-year-old boys um, were already saying that people look better when they have more muscles. Wow. So, you know, the first research study I ever published was looking at five-year-old girls and we were finding 20% of them were concerned about their weight, right? So we don't think of kindergarten as the start point for some of this, but it can be. Right. Not for the majority, fortunately, but it can be kids know pretty early on what is conceptualized as attractive within their cultural context. They get those messages really loud and clear from a variety of places in their home, on television, on the Internet. Right. Which increasingly young kids have access to. So I think it's really important when we're talking about boys that we don't conflate messages of masculinity and muscularity and strength too much because it sends the message from an early age that to be a man, you have to be strong, you have to look strong, and you have to be stoic. And that's really not what we want for our boys. Yeah. Do you think that it's intensified these boys' eating disorders? Has that intensified over the years or has it always been this way? You know, I don't know that we have great data to tell us for sure which it is. I think that it's pretty clear we weren't asking the right questions of boys for a long time, that because they weren't necessarily saying they wanted to lose weight, we assumed they were fine, right? So. You know, some of my colleagues who've been doing body image research longer than I, you know, 25 years ago would say, I don't know, it seems like it's not an issue so much. And then you start asking about muscularity, you start asking about if you're teased because you're too skinny, right? You start to really flesh out sort of a more complex picture of the boy's experience surrounding their bodies. Yeah, well, there's definitely always been the just super muscular superheroes, And I just was wondering, because I know with girls that all the social comparison has increased poor body image. So I'm wondering if it's the same for boys. Yeah, I mean, I think that having greater access to all sorts of media is overall not helping matters. Yeah. Um, You know, it's kind of the cat's out of the bag. So I'm not ever trying to suggest we put things back in the bag, right? I mean, we have these different media forms. We have access to more information than ever before. 
There are pros to that for our kids, but there are real cons as well. And those cons can manifest in terms of a lot of self-objectification we see that, that young people get used to looking at images that are really carefully curated and they start to feel like they need to do that to themselves. They don't appreciate how unrealistic a lot of the images they see are. Yeah. I think one of the statistics that you have is almost 40% of teen boys have used clinically untested supplements like protein powders, and a third of teen boys are trying to gain weight or bulk up. Yeah. I mean, there's some recent studies that suggest that 60% of boys are, you know, adopting some sort of unhealthy habit to increase the size of their muscles. These issues are there. What's interesting is that neither parents nor kids oftentimes really think of them as maladaptive again, because at sort of a real moderate level, these things can be healthy, right? Going to the gym can be healthy. Being on a team and doing a sport you love can be a great thing for kids. And so we just have to, I think, be sort of watchful when kids then say like, I'm going to cut out all sugar or, I really need to bulk up before next season, right? Because what does that mean if you're 12, right? Yeah. Like it's not even clear that 12-year-olds should be lifting weights because of where they're at in terms of pubertal development and bone strength. So yeah, absolutely. So how does a negative or positive body image impact a boy's emotions, behavior, and performance? And I guess maybe how do you define like a positive body image? Yeah. I mean, people often think that a positive body image means that you're just like, you know, kind of in love with yourself all the time, but Mm -hmm. that's really an oversimplification. And I think not applicable to most of us. Most of us don't feel that way all the time. Um, A positive body image has a lot to do with also just taking care of ourselves and respecting ourselves and maybe being in a state of of just working towards self-acceptance. And that would be considered pretty positive by my standards. Um, A negative body image is when we start to see some self-loathing or despair or just real uh, surveillance and shame surrounding the body um, sneak in. And and that can just be really detrimental. It takes up a lot of mental space, Mm -hmm. um, not just for kids, for adults. It's incredibly distracting. It's comorbid with a variety of other mental health concerns like anxiety and depression and even substance use. Um, So we really want to spare young people. I think that sort of, it's really like a chronic stress or a chronic trauma for some people. And, And it's not something that everyone just grows out of either. I think that's really a misconception that it's just normal as you go through puberty to feel uncomfortable in your skin and then you'll get past it. But a lot of adults feel uncomfortable in their skin still. Mm -hmm. So um, we really want to try to intervene and get information and support for young people who feel that way. Yeah. So you talk about focus on functionality and you talk about body neutrality. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. So functionality first just has to do with spending more energy thinking about what our bodies do and less on how they look, right? And sort of our appearance-focused culture, we get a lot of messages about the importance of how we look. And we don't have to completely deny that to also appreciate that 
our bodies allow us to experience the world. That's pretty amazing and important. In terms of body neutrality, this is sort of a new concept, which suggests that it can be really adaptive to just think about our appearance less often, to not worry about feeling super positive, and also to not feel like depressed or dissatisfied with our appearance, but just to value ourselves for other things than our appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can moms help boys develop a positive body image? Well, I think we want to start by just communicating with our boys a little bit more about some of these issues so that they can identify if they are feeling dissatisfied and they can have some support in dealing with that. That even my own son until relatively recently, it turned out, didn't seem to understand some of this. (laughs) Um, Boys have just been so left out of the conversation. And many of the boys I interviewed would say things like, no, no, I I don't have any body image issues. And then I'd say, oh, well, tell me about your eating habits. Oh, well, I never eat sugar. Oh, okay. How come? Well, you know, it's just really bad for you. I just can't do that. Okay. Well, that sounds like a little bit rigid. Is there any reason? Well, I just don't want to get fat. Well, okay. I mean, that sort of sounds like a body image concern. But boys aren't really good at calling it that because this construct has been feminized for so long. Mm. Um, And I think that it's, you know, just as we see boys and men have a hard time seeking mental health treatment for other disorders, it's extra hard when it comes to body image and eating problems because they don't always realize that they're applicable to them. And providers don't always realize that. So we really need to, I think, get the message out there that these are concerns that boys and men have, and they deserve help as well. Okay. So how can moms help boys with body acceptance? Well, I think we want to spend some energy in socializing our boys to be self-compassionate and self-accepting by focusing on things like functionality, by helping to foster media literacy so that boys are not seeing images on TikTok and thinking that, you know, because Chris Pratt lost 60 pounds in six months and got a whole new body for, you know, the latest action figure movie, that's possible for the average person, (laughs) that that's sort of a normal thing to do. Um, so we want to, to weave in media literacy as we can and make sure that our kids know that what they're seeing is often unrealistic and they can value themselves for just being, you know, normal, functional, healthy people and not superheroes. Awesome. So what other conversations can moms have with their boys? Well, I think when it comes to food, it's important to be pretty moderate, right? To model relatively healthy eating patterns, but not to make it such a big deal that it's really anxiety provoking. We want to try to foster intuitive eating as much as possible. So have kids really paying attention to whether or not they're hungry, whether or not they're craving something, whether or not they're bored, whether or not, you know, they really need a second dinner or they're just bored. Uh, But, you know, oftentimes boys eat a lot because they're growing. Mm -hmm. Um, they grow so much during puberty that it's actually really normal for them 
to want to eat a lot and maybe even to feel like they need like that junk food just for the caloric density. So we definitely don't want to shame them about any of that, but I think it's okay to direct them to think about, are you hungry right now? You know, what's going on? And then if they say yes, let them have it. (laughs) Yeah. So if mom has a middle school son who says, I'm just so short and I'm just so skinny, Mm -hmm. what should that mom say? I think that mom should say a lot of kids in middle school are short and skinny. And this does not necessarily have a lot to do with where you're going to end up. A lot of boys are going to grow, you know, a foot across a year or two. And and boys develop, you know, two years on average after girls. And so they may start to feel like people around them are all getting bigger and taller, but it's not necessarily the boys, especially not in middle school. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the action for girls is in middle school in sixth, seventh, or eighth grade. And then for boys, it's in ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, even. So I think we have to, you know, prepare them just to be a little bit patient and also remind them that it doesn't matter that much. Like they are who they are. You love them as they are. They will become who they're meant to become. And we actually have very little control over things like certainly our height, but even our weight, you know, our body shape, our body size. Most of this is genetically determined. So, you know, we cannot make ourselves become taller and it's very unlikely we're going to make ourselves have a completely different body in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I'm thinking it could get confusing sometimes for the boys and for the moms around like healthy striving around, you know, being in shape and working out and eating healthy versus it becoming a negative body image. Yeah. But I think we want as moms to ask ourselves, how much energy are we devoting to this? And is this a worry or is this an adaptive informed approach to eating? Mm -hmm. Right. So If kids are making choices, they have cookies and chips, and sometimes they're taking carrot sticks and hummus anyways, great, right? But if they're doing that and saying things like, I'm so fat, or I saw on TikTok that you should never have processed foods like Oreos, then that's when we might want to say, well, I think, you know, no one's ever died from having some Oreos. I'm sure you can have some sometimes, right? Just to try to tone down some of that rigid thinking before it becomes a compulsion. Yeah. So the rigid thinking is really more of the problem here. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with eating carrots. Obviously it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any last advice for the moms out here who are listening, who have boys? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that it's just really important to to talk with our boys and also to model, you know, really adaptive thoughts and behaviors when it comes to our own bodies, right? That it's okay to be physically active and to focus on eating nutritious meals, but to set an example so that they can see what is adaptive, right? To not worry ourselves. Because I think when we're worried and we show boys that this is, you know, something you need to worry about, something that's like a lifelong concern, well, then of course it becomes a lifelong concern for them. That's how they're being socialized. We want our kids to feel comfortable in their own skin and we want them to develop relatively healthy habits. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe one last question. So 
maybe a mom has a, a boy that is overweight. So what would you suggest for her? Well, I would suggest that, you know, as long as he's checking out, okay, physically at the pediatrician, there are no, you know, imminent health risks that she just do basically the same thing that any other mom would do, right? Encourage some physical activity, especially if he enjoys, you know, being on a certain team sport or something, then you would want to do that. And also just encourage um, relatively moderate eating habits that a lot of times kids grow out before they grow up. Um, and just because a kid is looking like they have a bit of a bigger body now, it doesn't mean that that is what they will have forever. The appetite of a growing boy is an amazing thing. So yes, it's just a wonder to behold sometimes. <laughs> so I think that we don't want to interfere with just normal growth and development and mm. make sure that they're healthy. Um, when we start trying to restrict food or force exercise or be heavy handed about it, that's when kids start to develop really maladaptive thoughts about themselves and they can start to develop really maladaptive habits as well. So we can set them up for sort of a lifelong you know, stress associated with their body and, and health behaviors if we're not careful. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that your book would be a great tool for a lot of these moms who have boys in puberty. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in my ideal world, every mom in the world gets this book and she, when her kid is 10 or 11, starts reading it with him and they can start talking about these issues bit by bit. And then they have it as a reference, right? That mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of topics I cover because it's not just about how we feel about our appearance, but how we feel about ourselves in general, our mental and physical health, our relationships. I think a lot of issues that are important for us to have a good understanding of for the rest of our lives. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people equate a great buff body with a lot of friends and a great self-esteem, and it's, it's not true. No. So yeah. So we have mm -hmm. to talk about all those different pieces. So that's great. Yeah. I mean, we get so many cultural messages that how we look is the most important thing about us. And it's easy to see why many of us feel like, well, if I just change my hair and get bigger biceps and whatever, that everything else will fall into place. I mean, that's what we're told essentially. So yeah. it's, it's not like we're making this up when we come to that conclusion then. Um, but we really need more information that counters that message, which we sometimes call the myth of transformation, right? You can, you can change your outside, you can transform your outside, but it's not going to change everything about your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Charlotte, this has been great. And I really appreciate your time and making time for this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere, you can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. 
And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.